We're just uh, we're just playing dress up. Yeah, exactly. They're playing catch, just <laughs> glorified catch. Sell out in forty minutes, as or an hour or whatever, and you're the one pricing those tickets. You price them too low. The lady, the the latest goose gossage, goose gossaging. And welcome to Artificial Turf Wars, episode number 88. Sometimes the show is so busy we don't even have time to put a joke at the front end. I'm your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined, as per usual, by Josh Howsom. Josh, how you doing? Not too bad, and you? Uh, I'm, I'm doing well. I'm doing well because we've gone maybe four months with uh, scrounging for topics, trying to squeeze some life out of a dead Blue Jays team, and then in just one week... Not the usual two. They did everything. Yeah, it was... I mean, we've gone a whole off-season, essentially, with nothing happening. And then it's just like, okay, everything's happening now! (laughs) Not all big things, but lots of things. So those things include uh, Jaime Garcia signing, uh, three relief pitchers, Patrika, Axford, Breslow, uh, spring training actually starting, which means people standing around on green grass, which is better than them standing, uh, not standing around on green grass. Um, Troy Tulowitzki, of course, stood on the grass. Even before he got there, he realized he was hurt. No, I'm not kidding. Aaron Sanchez is throwing baseballs and they spin, which is cool. Uh, and then we have two Blue Jay legends to talk about. One who we thought would be here all season and is not going to be. And one who is going to be here in with us in spirit all season long. We have. Of course, your questions. We have a do-over for the boisterous Marcus Stroman. And we have, yes, the man we love to hear from exactly once per year before we tell him to go away again. Uh, Some talk of Goose Gossage. All right. Shall we begin with Jaime Garcia? Uh, Tell us about this contract. All right. So we heard a lot of reports that the Blue Jays were looking to sign someone for one-year deal, which... A lot of people questioned, and so they did. They signed Jaime Garcia for one year, $8 million. But, thankfully, it comes with a $10 million team option with a $2 million buyout, and then they can up to $2 million in innings incentives. Very nice for him. Um, Gets him a landing spot, gets him a chance to build up some value. Presumably, it gets the team another another potential... uh, guy you can slot into the rotation and if it goes well they've got him for two years which is a little bit of a bridge which is which is kind of cool i assume we're looking at him as a very much back of the rotation starter yeah i mean that that's what he is at this point he's not going to be a guy who's going to go out there and post a low three zra or anything like that but unlike many of the other options at this level like andrew cashner who just signed with baltimore you know what you're going to get from jaime garcia as long as he's on the mound He's going to give you an ERA in the high threes to low fours. He's going to give you a ton of ground balls. And that's pretty much it. I mean, he doesn't have splits, so he he's a left-handed pitcher, but righties don't do much better against him than lefties do. So I think that's a very useful thing at the back of rotation. So we were talking about this briefly earlier, and more or less we agreed perhaps he is the poor man's Mark Burley. Yep, that's exactly what he is. You know what you're going to get, and... It's not going to be that great, but it's going to help. And, except it's not going to be in 200 innings. It might be in 160. Uh, so that leaves us with the Joe Biagini question. 
uh, what do you do with a guy like Biagini? Now that, now that you can put him either in the bullpen or in the rotation in AAA to, to give you even more depth. Well, if you're the Blue Jays right now, you just throw up that shrug emoji, but <laughs> they That's don't the have an answer. Off season, dude. We've been we're out of shrug emojis. <laughs> Good point. We've run out of characters, but uh, they don't really have an answer to that at this point. They're saying that right now he's going to be stretched out as a starter. He could end up in Buffalo. He could end up in the bullpen. I think it really all depends on what happens with the remaining funds that the Blue Jays have. We don't really know exactly how much they've got. They haven't said. We've heard speculation. But they said they have some more, and we think they're going to target the bullpen. And if they get a good reliever or two, my guess is the front office, not Gibbons, would push for BGE <laughs> to start in AAA. We, of course, know John Gibbons would push for everybody in the bullpen. Yeah, he probably wants Marcus Stroman as a reliever. <laughs> He's never come out and said that, but it's possible. Anything's possible. Certainly, I think I think in John Gibbon's head, there is a way to have like so much available bullpen pitching that it's not stressful to do six innings every night of bullpen guys. I think if he could do it, he'd have a one-man rotation <laughs> and just bullpen. One, one guy, one inning, one man, move on. Yeah. Two innings if he's doing well. Yeah, well, only if he's doing really well. Got to keep that pitch count down. If he has a five-pitch first inning, he can go a second one. Right, you don't want to. You don't want him going through the rotation one times. <laughs> <laughs> so in that vein, uh, the Blue Jays have picked up new toys for John Gibbons to phone in the bullpen, uh, at least on a invite to spring training. Uh, Jake Patrika, John Axford, Craig Breslow. Who do you like most, and, and why does he offer the most out of those three? I I think the one who's most likely to make it out of spring training, if any of them, I'd, I'd, I would probably bet against one of the three making the team at this moment. But if it's any of them, then I think it's Axford, just because Patrick is still rehabbing. He's actually in the minor league camp. He's not even with the major leaguers. Um, And Breslow, well, Breslow is left-handed, and that's about it. But yeah, but he has a pulse. He's left-handed. That pretty much qualifies you to pitch in the major leagues once you've done it once. Yeah, well, I mean, that's why he's got a contract, but well, minor league contract, but he's he was very good last year against lefties and got destroyed by righties, but the previous two years he got destroyed by lefties. So I I think that the only way Craig Breslow makes it is if Tim Meza and Matt Dermody both look really bad in spring. Otherwise, I think one of them will back up Aaron Loop as the second lefty. But Axford's interesting. Yes. You know, he's a guy that he's a guy that strikes out a lot of batters. Even last year in his horrible season where he got hurt and got shut down, he still struck out 21 guys in his 21 innings. The year before that, 60 and 65. The year before that, 62 and 55. And he goes up and down with his home run suppression. But when he's not that, giving up home runs, that is which is a most generous of the time, way to, to term it. <laughs> he, yeah. You know, but in 2015 and 2016, he was one of the more stingy guys when it came to home runs, including mm. a season in Colorado. So if that's the giant Axford you're getting, he's very good or very useful. He's, you know, he's still your sixth or seventh reliever. If you get in the home run version, then he's got you cut. So we pray for uh, 20. 16 Jason Grilly, not 2017 Jason Grilly. 
<laughs> well put. Well, yeah, I mean, in terms of guy who strikes a lot of guys out, I, Jason Greeley never failed in that regard. That's true. And then that was actually one of the reasons that Jays targeted him in the first place, which sort of ties into this Axford thing. He was still doing everything the same except walking people at a rate he'd never done before. So it's like, well, that's probably an outlier. Let's try and bring him in. And that sort of thing happened with Axford last year. He was walking seven batters per nine, and he's never been that bad. The Blue Jays do seem to know what they like. Like they, they both on on the offensive side and on the pitching side seem to know what kind of bounce back candidate they are looking for, very specifically. Yeah, they really do, and you know, and even not just the bounce back level. I, I, I have a piece coming out about this the day we release this at some point when i announced this on twitter i thought today was wednesday so i said it's coming friday it's like oh crap that's tomorrow i gotta start writing (laughs) yeah my mistake but uh they seem to like guys who have something that's an outlier about their fastballs and the way they move and jaime garcia who we sort of breezed through he is very much one of those guys he's got an extreme sinker when it comes to horizontal movement and a while back i put out a piece that talked about all these pitchers and listed them of all the pitchers who throw a certain number of fastballs he has the second most break difference between his four seam and his two seam which is very useful when it comes to befuddling hitters with stuff that's not coming in at 97 miles an hour obviously someone in the blue jays analytics department spends time not doing that exact thing but looking for things like that Otherwise, you would not have a Marco Estrada getting signed over and over again when, on the surface, Estrada doesn't look like he's going to maintain his habits of being dominant. Uh, and yet, he does. So, it, it's interesting that they, you know, it's obvious, I think, to other teams at this point that that's what they're looking for. But I do think it is sort of the Blue Jays' niche, just so to speak, that they, uh, other teams aren't just jumping in there going, well, that's what the Blue Jays are doing we're going to copy it yet at least so far yeah um so spring training has in fact started they are standing on green grassy fields and people are sending video of curveballs coming in like it's going to hit the camera and guys <laughs> are stretching and do you want to talk about Devin Travis or Troy Tulowitzki first well actually but first i want to talk about this something that's probably going to make me very unpopular with everybody listening to this This constant celebration, pitchers and catchers reporting. I don't care. (laughs) Pitchers and catching reporters means nothing to me. I don't care until they're actually playing baseball. You know, I want to see a game. That's that's (laughs) when baseball's back for me. Yeah, I I can I I can see how people are going to be mad at you, and and I can also understand exactly where you're coming from because, (laughs) you know, it's it's nice that it's glove day and. And the guy from Rawlings comes down and puts stuff out on the table, and it's humid. But that doesn't really satisfy my thirst for baseball in any way, shape, or form. Right. Until somebody's getting out. Until somebody's looking bad on a slider. Until somebody's, you know, putting one over the fence and somebody's trying to chase it down. We're just uh, we're just playing dress-up. Yeah, exactly. They're playing catch. Just <laughs> glorified catch. Okay, so... I may have missed Devin Travis news, so I'm going to let you break it to me live right now. Devin Travis. <laughs> so this is a sort of a fun one. Uh, from This is from, I believe it was from John Gibbons, but yeah, the, 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 and I'll explain why it's as fun. But Devin Travis started running in late January, 
and he's on schedule. If this was him, but Gibbons isn't sure what the exact plan is in terms of game reps when they start. <laughs> We're going to talk another one about John Gibbons' follies with this when we get to Tulo, but it's amazing how in, uninformed he is in spring training. It's one of the most fun parts of, of the whole concept. I think I mentioned this on the podcast last year, but so when I go down to spring training, I go in and I do, I do interviews and such, and I'm there for his scrum. And they were talking about Jay Happ and when he's going to get into a game. Oh, no, no, sorry. They, they were talking about the next day, and they're, they're like, oh, who's starting tomorrow? And he's like, uh. And then he turns to the PR director, hey, who's starting tomorrow? And they're like, oh, it's Jay Happ. <laughs> he didn't know. I guess it doesn't matter to him. He doesn't. He just doesn't care about what's ha- anything but what's happening right now. He had no idea who the next day's starting pitcher was, which was just fantastic. I'm sure the guy would get on the bus, you know, regardless of who he was. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's all he does the day of. He just looks around the bus or he looks in the dugout uh, or in the bullpen and he sees if who's the starter out there who stood up and he assumes that that's the guy who's going and he just just rolls with it. <laughs> I think DeMarlo Hale runs that stuff. <laughs> well, truly, as as once it's written down on paper and someone decides it's happening, it's not really a priority who starts what or who goes what inning in spring. It's it's a it's not about performance. That's when he has to worry is when whether the guy's doing well or not. In the spring, he just has to worry whether the guy's on the page or not. Right, exactly. Which is why it's all fun and games. Really, it's all silliness. But uh, just that was more what I wanted to talk about, more about the John Gibbons aspect of this Devin Travis rumor than the actual Devin Travis rumor. But basically, Travis was on the field and he was doing double play turns and stuff, and he looked fine. So he's doing baseball things as opposed to the reports that came out in January. It's like he's not even running yet. Maybe he ran all the way to Florida from his hometown. Dang, he'd be in really good shape. Kill two birds with one stone. Uh, of course, the person who is apparently already hurt with a bone spur is Troy Tulowitzki, the king of the disabled list. <laughs> it's amazing. So he's already rehabbing an injury on that same leg, the ankle that he tore last year. And it's a chronic bone spur. It's like, well, if it's chronic, why didn't they just remove it? But that's another entire discussion. But we had a little Gibby fun with this one, too. So this was yesterday. Quote, the ankle feels fine. He had a little bone spur in his heel that was aggravating him, but he should be good to go when he gets here. This was today. It's a little nagging thing. When he gets here, he should be fine. If it hampers him a little bit, I don't think it'll be very long. And then this was Ross Atkins. (laughs) (laughs) A man who may have read his notes. (laughs) Yeah. It was something that was a mild aggravation that we did not initially anticipate to impact spring training. And I think given the information that we have today, we could have a subtle, uh, sorry. I think given the information that we could, that we had today could have a subtle impact on that. We're hopeful he'll be our opening day shortstop. So uh, my definition of the word subtle and Ross Adkins definition of the word subtle appear to be very different things in this. (laughs) It certainly sounds like it. A subtle effect of keeping him out of the lineup for most of spring. Well, that's pretty subtle. <laughs> I, I mean, hardly even noticed he wasn't there. I assume Atkins is just saying we're hopeful just because he doesn't want to say, oh, yeah, he'll be ready. And then it's like, oh, he has a setback. Uh, well, you said he'd be ready. Like, you know, we're it's not alive. We know the truth kind of thing. But G- general it's, managers sound good. do enough walking back as it is. They don't need to walk yeah. out there in the first place. I follow that. Uh, yeah. But the words bone spur just don't sound good. Sorry. I don't care who's saying them. Yeah. I mean, bone spurs are 
about pain management, which, as we've discussed, Tulowitzki's actually very good at that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, something you might want to just get rid of so it doesn't keep happening. Maybe they've opened him up too many times in that area already. And he's just like, no more knives. It's all scar tissue. <laughs> uh, Aaron Sanchez is throwing breaking balls and he is not exploding with fingernail bits everywhere yet. Keyword? Yes, yet. Well, I mean, he went through many rehabs and he got through all the rehabs and he actually got up to game speed a couple of times last year and it was a disaster. So I'm not saying anything is good per se. I'm just saying it's not bad yet. Well, that's why I agreed with the word. I mean, I had, I can't remember who it was, was asking and I think they tagged you in this too. It's like, well, these people know better about what's happening with Strowman. Or sorry, Strowman. Aaron Sanchez. And the answer with Aaron Sanchez is we don't know until he pitches in games. Mm-hmm. Because as you said, he went through this last year and everything was fine. So I, th- I think that with Aaron Sanchez, like they can say all the rosy things they want. The nail feels good. The blister feels good. All the rehab points. Great. Until he start, throws a bunch of games in a row without having to leave one early with a blister problem, then we don't know. Yeah. The other thing we don't know is what's happened to this batch of baseballs that we're going to come into spring and um, mm-hmm. and the opening of the season with. And the baseball, whether you think it was juiced or not juiced or anything else, I don't think anyone has disagreed that there were some changes of some kind which were noticed by a lot of people who held on to baseballs all the time. Uh, there's nothing to say that those changes aren't going to continue as long as they're in this very wide parameter that the league finds acceptable for official baseballs. Yeah. Well, and Manfred, our good old buddy, said said today that studies this winter showed that the baseballs are fundamentally the same. Yeah, but the issue is that fundamentally the same was the problem. They're why they, they're a minor difference in the baseball makes a huge difference on the other end. But yeah, that that is a thing that to consider. It's these baseballs did cause a lot of blisters across the game, and it wasn't just with Sanchez. Even Marcus Stroman had some problems with it. Yeah, he was the one who was being loud about it on the Blue Jays, but uh, there were some players on other teams who went away. I can't remember any names off the top of my head, um, but they went away for a blister where they never had been in their career before. So something mm-hmm. about the leather, about the seams, whatever it's about, uh, it could just as easily flip back the other way and those problems be gone. And, and we also don't know any of the other effects that the acceptable change with the ball might have. So that's going to be something to watch for, I think, right from the first actual spring training game onward, if anything seems to be a little bit little bit different. And, and I think those spring training games are game enough to tell us whether Sanchez is going to have a problem or not. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the first ones where he's throwing an inning or two innings, not so much. But once he starts building up towards throwing four or five innings a game, I do think that will help us. If he's not leaving them, if he's getting through all his scheduled pitches, that will help. And I do think it is worth noting, he did deal with blister problems in 2016 as well, and he led the league in ERA. So I think it's just all about the severity of them with him. He's always going to have some level of it, or at least for the short term. Indeed. So the other big news today was sort of the off, or not today, this week, what was the off the field sudden announcement of Jerry Howarth's retirement pretty much due to voice problems from the sounds of it. Yeah, voice and throat problems. Essentially, he's not all that healthy anymore, and it's just too hard for him to broadcast games. 
and you could hear this last year sadly um the number of times even over the last two years i think but last year really where jerry you know wilner would be saying jerry's sick and we're hoping he'd be back tomorrow and jerry's jerry's not feeling well we'll hope he'd be back for the first game in the next series or we're confident that and then jerry wouldn't be back and when he when he came back he sounded rough a few times yeah and so i guess it shouldn't have been a huge surprise but it still felt like one because it's like what's blue jays baseball without jerry howard yeah losing tom cheek was just gut-wrenching at the time but maybe less so because there was some continuity from you know i know jerry didn't join until 1981 but tom and jerry have been part of the the voice of the blue jays very literally seemingly forever i mean i was four years old when when jerry would have joined the jays so um, and i was three years away from being born yeah so certainly he might as well have been there the whole time for both of us and those those calls those cliches in a lot of ways he, he, he how do you forget and the blue jays are in flight or and there she goes hooking hooking foul like it just sounded right to hear a blue jays game called that way and now without so much as a farewell to her there won't be any games with those those phrases in them anymore yeah it's it's gonna be weird i, I don't know if it's gonna be sad necessarily or bad I, it's hard to say we don't know exactly what they're gonna do it could be wilner it could be someone else but it'll be it'll be weird not hearing jerry howard at a blue jays game one of the very interesting things i think people should listen for that's missing or if you go back and listen to a Howarth broadcast is there there are a couple of things that he did very consistently other than those catchphrases that you always heard um after the first batter was retired he would always note time and temperature so you knew that that was coming up and second of all at some point he would describe in detail the numbers letters and uniform colors of both teams which doesn't seem significant in a world where television is everywhere and you can just look up and glance and see what they're wearing. But in a world where radio might be the only way that you could get a handle on what was going on in the game, those little details for me really brought the game to life. They really helped me imagine what was out there and be sure of what what was in my mind's eye had something to do with what was actually going on in the field. And I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, when you and I tried to call call that inning for our patrons and it was a disaster, but it sort of brought up that there's a big difference between calling the action and calling the game. You know, calling the action is just explaining what's happening, but the game is about immersing your listener in the experience. And it's a skill that I imagine is very hard to develop. And I, I don't know about Mike Wilner. I don't want to, he's actually fine as an announcer, but I've never heard him try to do this because Jerry Howard has always been there to help. Yeah. And I think, you know, I don't think every single announcer has to do that. But they all have to paint, on the radio specifically. Yes. You have to paint a picture of the ballpark somehow. Um, even if you're fudging it a little bit. <laughs> um, there is, there's an effect to that that makes the broadcast worth listening to. Rather than just turning up the TV in some other room and, and listening to, you know, the, the away broadcast or, or Buck and Tabler or, or whichever. And I think Jerry, as... as 
much as he had his failings as an analyst or as as a you know a, a new school kind of guy um, and stuck to some old guns that didn't make a lot of sense that way, he was very very good at creating a picture of the game, and that's what I'm going to miss about about Jerry Howarth, 100. percent Right there with you. Um, the other Blue Jays legend I mentioned, of course, is the late Roy Halladay, who the Blue Jays have announced will have his number retired, the only the second Blue Jay in history to do so behind Roberto Alomar at a ceremony on opening day. And then the Blue Jays will wear a number 32 patch for the entire season uh, in his memory, which I appreciate they're doing. I think it's really a no-brainer to do this. It is a no-brainer, but at the same time, it's the right move. And, you know, sometimes people don't make the right move. Yeah. It's like, you know, Roy Holiday was a legend. He died. Honor him. Yep. And and don't there's no reason to wait to honor him another year or until he goes into the Hall of Fame or, or whatever else. No. Exactly. I mean that that was the the reason Alomar got his number retired, because he went into the Hall of Fame. You know what? There are exceptions to that. You don't have to stick to that. That was just a one time rule. It doesn't make it a pattern. And you know, there are people saying put up a holiday statue. I don't agree with that. I think that's oh, you know, if you're going to put up statues of players, you should put up a lot of people, not just Roy Halladay. But honoring him by letting no one wear his jersey again, wearing a patch to commemorate him, and having a ceremony on opening day, I think is perfect. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think um, I think that is the right note to hit. So kudos to the Blue Jays for uh, not uh, sort of delaying or doing, doing things halfway there. I, I think, you know, obviously... With his passing so recently that now is the time, and they've made that move, and um, and fooey on all you conspiracy theorists that think that this has something to do with ticket sales being slow for the opening day game. That's just ridiculous. If that's your theory on this, then you're a moron. <laughs> but I don't, I don't like to call people names. Yeah, well, that's not necessarily true, but that's. <laughs> but no, but you're, you're a moron if you think that this has any, and, and you're really just a cynical person. You probably need to try to be happier because that's it's just a stupid thought to think. Oh, they're not selling tickets out to opening day yet. We're going to announce this. There's no way that would happen. And yeah, and certainly there is certainly certainly there is certainly. It's going to be something that's always going to be up in the air if you think that way. You're never going to get definitive somehow verification that you were right about that. So give it up. Thank you. Okay, we're going to stop talking about the morons, as you put them. (laughs) Uh, We're going to move on to people like a million times more intelligent than that. They're, They're the people who ask us questions about the Blue Jays. And we're going to be back with them right after this little break. Did you miss us? Of course you didn't miss us. Uh, we are going to head on over to the questions. Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. Here are the rules. First I ask a question, then you ask a question. Then how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? It's simple, really. Uh, so we start with Sam the Barfly at Jacob A. Bader. Two moves I left I want to see. Tony Watson for the pen and Luke Roy for catcher. Solid lefty reliever with closing experience and a strong catcher for a semi-starter role plus insurance at first base. I doubt either will actually happen, but I can hope. Your thoughts, Josh? 
I don't see any chance that Jonathan Lucroy comes here. Jonathan Lucroy is a catcher, whether he's a insurance at first base, but he want, he's entering free. He's just coming into free agency for the first time. He wants to sign a real deal. He wants to be the starting catcher, even if it's on a short-term deal to rebuild his value, but it's not happening. Tony Watson, on the other hand, maybe. This really would all come down to how much money the Blue Jays have left because he's really good. He's a lefty. He throws hard. He's useful. But he's also a Boras client, so you know he's not going to come cheap. Or so, soon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Especially at the rate that Boras cli- clients are signing this offseason. Has any of them signed? Nope. <laughs> I don't think the answer is yes. But So I would say it's unlikely that either happens, as you suggested, Sam, but or Jacob, actually. <laughs> but I would hope for Watson. I think he'd be perfect. All right. Well, I'm going to go with that because, uh, as I, I previously have mentioned, I did not know for sure who Tony Watson was when the name came up. Greg um, doesn't watch the National League. Oh, God, no. <laughs> unless, it, unless it's Clayton Kershaw, and then I'm in. Or interleague play with the Blue Jays. But uh, next question is from Alex Hume at ahume92. Are you surprised by the trouble the Jays have had selling opening day tickets? There's probably a thousand or fifteen hundred left other teams have had weekday home openers for years and not had this issue am i surprised no this is uh and has always been a fair weather baseball city now it is probably i would argue the most incredible fair weather baseball city in the mlb marketplace that uh when people think there's a winner out there man do they show up (laughs) However, there have not been any winner noises made by this front office. There have been contender noises. Those are not winner noises in Toronto. They can get tickets to a winning team, no problem, because now the Leafs are good, the Raptors are good, and even Toronto FC was good. Uh, So if people are looking for a hot ticket and you're not selling the hottest ticket, people are going to be shy. That's just Toronto. You put a product on the field that looks like it's going to win the East, the people will show up. Yeah, I mean, all of that, what you just said is true. Though they've never really had a problem selling out the home opener in the past. And here's the thing. They're not going to have a problem selling out the home opener this year. It's going to sell out. The game's not for a month, month and a half. It just didn't sell out in five minutes like it has the last couple of years because they were coming off two ALCS appearances. Yeah, and, and the other thing that you have to think about is if your home opener tickets sell out in 40 minutes as or an hour or whatever, and you're the one pricing those tickets... You price them too low. Yep. You only get one shot at home opener money. Might as well make it as much as you possibly can. And that's what they've done. The tickets prices are very high for this opening game, and they will sell out. So they don't – to Blue Jays, they don't care if they sell out in day one or 10 minutes before the game. As long as it sells out, it sells out. Exactly. Uh, Juco James asks at Juco James, where do you place the odds of B. Genie starting the season in the bullpen or in the Buffalo rotation? And which do you believe to be the wiser move, bolster the bullpen or increase starter depth? We did talk about that second part of the question. More or less, both of us think, of course, we'd like him as a starter. But what do you think the odds are? If I had to place it, I'd say 60-40 he's in the bullpen. I'm saying 70-30 he's in the bullpen. Yeah, that's that's in, in that range. I'm I'm even it's, more, yeah, I'm, I'm leaning even heavier to the bullpen just because I think John Gibbons does have some sway in these decisions, even though he's not the one making those decisions. I, I think uh, 
I well, think. the only reason I'm, yeah. I'm I'm even going as low as I did is because I think there's a very good chance they sign a couple of relievers. And if they do, there just won't be room necessarily. If they don't sign at least two good relievers, he will be in the bullpen is my pick. Cool. <laughs> the next question. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> this is from Ben Tissom. Big move? Question mark. <laughs> Which we could go a lot of ways. And then you pointed out that you actually, he's responding to something you put in the tweet. Yeah. Soliciting questions. Yeah, because I said so much has happened since the last podcast, both big and small moves. <laughs> and he responded, big move? <laughs> Apparently, Jaime Garcia does not make the big move criteria. He's no. at least a medium-sized move, though. When you get a, a major league signing, you know, in the double digits over two years, you know, the seven figures over two years, eight figures over two years, I guess. That's, that's, mm-hmm. that's medium sized. And it, it filled the hole in their rotation. I think that that's a big move where it's not like, you know, they didn't go get Jake Arietta or something. It's not a huge, oh my God, blockbuster move, but it's a big move. Yeah. And they can't get you Darvish. It's not possible. No, because he signed with the Cubs. Hey, he well, won't I... be in the American League. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's the little victories. It's addition by subtraction, as we like to say around here. Yeah. Uh, sum up. Sorry. The next question is uh, from Akmedo. Sum up this offseason in five words or less, then discuss. Now, we've been thinking about this question apparently all the way since February 7th, our Which last is, podcast. We've had the question, but <laughs> have we really been thinking about it? No. No. <laughs> Did you even know about it before five minutes ago? No, no, I do not. I am not the curator of the questions. I read them. Uh, well, do you have five words for this offseason? Let's see. Slow, boring, underwhelming, but useful. Uh, I have, where did the fun go? <laughs> <laughs> well done. Yours is better than mine. That's what, really, with all of this bickering back and forth between the owners and the agents and the people and the uh, and then the pace of play discussions and the, oh, we're going to have our own little spring training and you can't come and look and everything else. Where was the fun? Not in the Major League Baseball offseason. No. So, yeah. Um, useful. That was an interesting one as your last word. I think it's probably true, though. The Blue Jays did accomplish things. I don't know if they accomplished enough. They accomplished more than the Orioles did. <laughs> or have done. I mean, okay, here's the thing. The Blue Jays entered this offseason with five holes. They needed a starter. They needed two middle infielders in the backup because they have Travis and Tula Whiskey. And they needed two outfielders. They got all five of those things, hence the useful. They just didn't get very good players for those five <laughs> spots. They got Man. fine players, just not really good ones. <clears throat> Which is fair. So um, we're going to come back to our last couple of questions because they are related to our do-over. So I think we should mosey on to our do-over, yes? Yeah. What did you say? Oh my God! Did he really just say that? But we can try again, right? You talking about a do-over? Are you talking about a do-over? Let's do this! I feel like I'm gonna have to turn that do-over down. Came yeah. really loud. Uh, don't worry. By the time you hear this, folks, it'll be fine. 
when the lady comes in what did you say it's like i jumped back <laughs> and yet she was still the same distance <laughs> uh okay so the the do-over is to uh, our very charismatic marcus stroman uh what happened with marcus this week in arbitration i i, I haven't heard ha 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 <laughs> So Strowman lost his arbitration case. Instead of getting paid $6.9 million, he will get $6.5 million. When, he, when, found, when this news was released, he sent out this tweet, which has since been deleted. <clears throat> lost arbitration. It is what it is. Looking forward to going out and dealing again. So far, fine. Good tweet. And then. <laughs> the negative things that were said against me by my own team will never leave my mind. I'm thick-skinned, so it will only fuel the fire. That made no sense. Can't wait for this year. So much like the Jay Alu t- uh, tweet that we ripped apart a couple weeks ago. Well, last would, week. Last <laughs> week. I would like to point out that if you go on Twitter to blast out how you feel about being picked apart by the team in an arbitration hearing, you are anything but thick skinned. Correct. <laughs> You're making the argument against yourself within the tweet. <laughs> right. Now, one of the things that was particularly interesting, this is pointed out by James and T.O., our constant source for content on this podcast. <laughs> he doesn't work for us? Yeah. We do not pay anybody because we don't get paid. But last year when Marcus Stroman beat the Blue Jays in arbitration, he said, quote, Shout to the at Blue Jays for being extremely professional throughout the entire process. <sighs> I don't think they changed anything from year no. one to year two. Well, they changed one thing. They, they won. beat him. <laughs> he doesn't like losing. And it's fine that he doesn't like losing. I, I'm okay with that. I don't really yeah. care to hear about whether he likes losing or not, though. Right. And, and no, to Strowman's credit on this one, it was a dumb tweet. Like, you should never say that thing about negative things said against me. It's an acrimonious process. Of course things are going to be negative. You know that going in, so don't tweet about it. This isn't like Randy Levine bashing uh, Dylan Batances after the Yankees won last year. Um, he deleted the tweet, and and then he made a joke about how high he can reach because he's because he's short or something. He made, no, he made a short joke, which is not really his brand. No. So but, uh, as he maybe already tried to do over himself, <laughs> it's possible. It's possible he has taken the do over. Just not before we offered it to him. So it still doesn't count, does it? No. Anyway, here's the cho- here's the tweet. The joke looks like I came up a little short in arbitration. LOL. HDMH. <laughs> I good thought effort. that was funny. Yeah, good effort. It's it's tough to. Uh... To know what to say, especially after you know that you've said probably too much, too fast. I think there should be a, probably a timer on his tweets. Um, and I took a shot at him on Twitter because he's blocked me, of course, so he can't see that what's going on. And um, and a bunch of people like set people off. I'm like, look, folks, if I'm tweeting about something about a player and it's baseball related. It's not serious. Really. <laughs> I, I don't have any strong opinions about baseball on Twitter. I have observations. <laughs> and people are like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> I'm I'm not really a hot takes guy. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Marcus Stroman, uh, congratulations. You've orchestrated your own do-over, so you don't have to come on the podcast and figure out how to retract a tweet with us. Five points. Perfect. There's a guy who's never going to take a do-over, so we have... Uh, we have an actual drop now for Goose Gossage. Would you like me to reveal it to the world? Do we, should we read the questions about the Stroma thing first? Or do oh, we... sorry. Yes. I got off track. I was so excited about the new, the new sound effects. But I know. Two questions about Mr. Stroman. Uh, number one from Birdwatcher at Birdwatcher88. Is Stroman turning into a little bit of a D-bag? Or should we just let his social media antics go? And the other one? This one, the other one is from Josh at Sergio Dip. As much as I love watching Strowman on the mound, literally the best part of last year, the chip on the shoulder stuff is getting a little tiring. Does anyone actually doubt him anymore? Why does he need to create unneeded controversy to stay motivated? I don't know why he needs to do that or thinks he needs to do that. Does he think it sells more t-shirts? I think it's honest. I, I mean, he does very much care about his brand and he's very good at marketing his hdmh apparel but the chip on his shoulder i think is real i i don't know why he needs it to motivate himself but if he does as long as he stays motivated and does well i don't really care no i i tend to well first of all i don't i don't need to see it i only get screenshots of the really most egregious things he said so um... yeah i don't follow a bunch of twitter either yeah, so maybe we are already sort of ignoring the social media aspect, so maybe we're not the guys to ask. Uh, yeah, it's entirely possible. Ultimately, I think a player can rep himself any way he wants to, uh, provided he's not being a racist, misogynistic, abusive. Um, if he's got a chip on his shoulder, he's got a chip on his shoulder. But what I think you and I both care about is, can he pitch, hit, run, get the job done? And if that's the case, well, if he thinks it helps him to be out there on social media doing his thing, then okay, go ahead. Yeah, I mean that's really it. It's, it's yeah, if, if people don't like what you're doing, that's all. There's always going to be people who don't like what you do, and it just doesn't matter as long as he performs on the field. People are going to be happy. Exactly. And he's he did that last year. Had a great season. I, I, I think we've learned that having a great season is not going to turn down the volume on Marcus Stroman off the field. And that's just, that's who he is. So you can be a fan or not be a fan. All right. Can I, can I, can I debut our, our goose talk? Yes. It's the first goose sighting of spring. Talk to me, goose. <laughs> Done. I'm from the old school. I think you ought to act like you've been there and done that before because you are a professional. <laughs> Goose is well and truly cooked. <laughs> oh, goodness. Does it not sound like Goose? That was the real Goose Gossage, correct? Yes, that was actually a quote of his. Does it not sound like he's reading off his own cue card? Yeah, and it was a radio interview, but it, it absolutely sounded like he's reading a line. Uh, what was our goose sighting this spring? It was not actually at Yankee camp, obviously, because he didn't get invited to Yankee camp this year. Right. <laughs> that, that, that's what caused the, lady, the, the latest 
goose gossage, goose gossaging. He basically just went off on Brian Cashman. <laughs> Which, fairly transparently, is simply because he didn't get invited to spring training. But but uh, what did he make it about? Uh, well, he, he basically made it about Cashman being... Um, <laughs> he, uh, I can't use the words he used. Yes. But... Basically, he said that Cashman didn't like him. Was the way was was the reason that he that he wasn't around. And he's like, he would have been gone ten years ago if George was still around. It's like, come on, that what? Saying George Trevor would have fired Cashman because Cashman is like he's an analyst. And he likes the new school stuff. Essentially, was the context of his rant. Uh, all right, so uh, this has been your one and only goose sighting of the year. He will. Fade into the the background as usual after he puts his foot in it in spring. Do you ever think he's like Gil on The Simpsons, where he's like, "This year it's gonna be the year. I'm gonna I'm gonna say it. They're all gonna love me." And then he says something, and people are like, "Goose Gossage, what are you doing?" And he's like, "Oh, Goose, you screwed it up again." <laughs> I think he doesn't care to to talk walk back anything he's ever said. True I think enough, he be- he's fine with it. Oh, poor Goose. Not really. I think he made his money. So we are rounding up all of our thoughts with uh, with spring training, etc., etc., which means I usually have an opening for a final thought here for you. Do you have one? I'm going to tell a, a goofy story. I put a, I tweeted this out when when uh, when he announced it, but if Jerry Howarth, the first interaction I had with him, was I was pitching a game for for Tobacco against North York. I threw really well, six innings, one run, broke a bunch of bats, and uh, I come out of the game and I, I'm told that it's like he's Jerry Howard says I remind him of Roger Clemens. Ooh. I'm just like, like holy crap, like that's so cool. Jerry Howard says I remind him of one of the best pitchers of all time. And then within like three minutes, he ruined it completely by saying our worst <laughs> pitcher remi- reminded him of Rod Carew. Immediately, <sighs> like I feel like you didn't have time to, to rest. <laughs> Maybe it's best that you didn't. It didn't rest. Maybe that illusion getting built up over time would have been worse. Yeah, maybe. But either way, come on, give me fifteen minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even get that. I, I, it was honestly like two to three minutes tops. Oh well, for two to three minutes, you could have been Roger Clemens. Ah, oh, if only. If well, only. Yeah. So my final thought is related to, I I know we're not supposed to mention other sports here, but I think this one is legit. Um, From Steve Buffery's tweet, he says, Blue Jays pitcher Roberto Osuna tells me that he's a big curling fan and loves watching it on TV from the Olympics. Of course, he never saw the sport growing up in Mexico, but he's a big fan now. That's just great. It is great. (laughs) Welcome to Canada, Roberto Osuna. (laughs) Oh, we all curl. And then, of course, there's a bunch of people in the replies challenging him to put his money where his mouth is. It's like, no, he didn't say he was a good curler. He said he likes curling. Relax. So is putting his money where his mouth is filming himself watching curling? Is that that what we need to see happen? Because you know what? I'm down for that. Yeah, that would be fine. I think that would be uh, fun uh, seeing him. I mean, Mr. T's into curling as well. You know that, right? Yeah, I heard that one. So, I mean, Roberto Osuna is, is maybe late to the bandwagon. Oh, my goodness. So, <laughs> this very busy week means uh, that it's coming to an end, and you have been on this very busy week, Joshua Housem, and at Joshua Housem, and I have been uh, Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead2010. 
And this has been Artificial Turf Wars episode number 88. And we may see you as soon as next week. Mm-hmm.